Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hi, everybody. I am still Scott. And I am still Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to discuss the idol of being well-liked. Yes, the idol of being well-liked. And we're going to discuss how walking the harder way means switching from fearing man to fearing God. Fearing man to fearing God. You know, when I think of fearing anything, I think of fear in three categories. Um, there's the fear that is the healthy kind of a fear that God allows you to have where it's like, I'm afraid to put my hand in a fire because I know the physical consequences. Mm, yes. There's the fear that causes you to try to take control and try to, um, you know, be in charge of the world around you. And that comes from a lack of trust in God and it comes, uh, and it, it is countered by faith. Right. And That's then, what we're telling you to conquer pretty right, much every week on this podcast. <laughs> and then there's this other fear this fear that I would really make it akin kind of to respect. Mm, like That's a great way to explain it. Right. It's like this fear of God and, and it's misplaced into a fear of man. So it's like a respect of God that is misplaced into a respect of man. What do you think about that? I think that's a really good way to explain it because when we're thinking about the fear of man versus the fear of God, when we're fearing men, it usually means that we're not fearing God because the fear of man means that we're more concerned with what people think about us than what God thinks about us. We're more concerned about our reputation, about uh, the perceptions that other people have of us, that we will allow those perceptions to impact the way that we live our lives. Oftentimes to the detriment of our Christian witness and uh, to the detriment of our gospel activities. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So let's just call the podcast and be done for the Perfect. Day. No. We explained what that is. But the Bible actually has a lot to say about the fear of man and the fear of God. Specifically, the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And actually, in the book of Proverbs, many, many times, uh, the fear of the Lord is referenced. I think, I would think almost more than any other book, Solomon refers continually to the fear of the Lord. And the way that he describes it is interesting because he describes it as the beginning of life. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of life. He describes it as the fountain of life, as the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, something that brings refuge, safety, confidence. Now, those aren't words we typically associate with fear, right? He even calls it a treasure. So I think that helps to clarify that when we talk about fear of the Lord, this is not akin to anything else that we would categorize as fear. It's something else entirely. Well, it's like that Nicolas Cage movie with the with the uh, um, 
with the treasure map with the with the back of the Declaration of Independence. Oh yes, right? the national treasure. The national treasure, <laughs> and you and you put on different lenses and different aspects of the map would show up depending on the color of the lens that you were using. They have these special real glasses. super spy stuff. Super spy stuff, right? Well, these fears are the same thing. You see, if you see the world through fear, it colors your world. And it, That's and, true. And it, and when we see the world through the fear of man instead of through the fear of God, what happens is we our foundations are shaken. There is no safe place for us. Um, we we don't make the most wise decisions. We don't uh, have a sense of comfort, a, a sense of being on something and involved with someone greater than ourselves. We feel kind of unmoored as it were, mm -hmm. and just being banged against, battered against the shore and the winds that drive the surf. Because we know that God never changes. God right. is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But people change a lot. Yeah. People, you know, go with, with whatever is popular oftentimes. Their opinions change. What's in vogue changes. And so if we're looking for any sort of safety and consistency in people, we're not going to find it. Right. So when we talk about this idea that being well-liked is an idol, um, I think that that maybe might upset a few people. Yeah, but let's, let's stick for a second. I want to stick for a second on what you just said about... Because it was so good. It was so <laughs> profundo, as they say in Spanish. It was deep. When you think about fearing man... And about the con the connection to man being mutable or changeable and mm -hmm. God being immutable, never changing, right? Think about this. In my lifetime, when I was a young man, we used to say, we used to try to really embody Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream for humanity, which was that we would become a colorblind society. And we said that. We said we really worked hard as people uh, trying to be uh, colorblind. And what we meant by that was not judging a person by the color of their skin, but by looking at the content of their character. Mm -hmm. Not by their color of their skin, but by their abilities, by their merit. Right? And we didn't right. and we didn't look and that was the idea. And so but now saying that you are colorblind, you're made fun of, it's it's seen as a racial trope. And the reason why I bring that up is not to be political or anything, but just to say, here's an in-your-face example right now mm. of how, how much has man changed. changes. What's acceptable to man changes. Things that happen in our culture right now that are that are generally accepted, the, the people would have would have uh, drug you out into the street and yeah. left you in the dirt uh, for the things that people say and do now. So man changes. But the things that offended God, the things that pleased God, the things that were right in the eyes of God have never changed and they never will. And that's one of the powerful things about the Bible is that the Bible being God's word, being uh, God sharing the truth with us, being that uh, complete fullness of truth is that the principles of scripture, they are true in any cultural context, in any time in history. That, you know, it's not a matter of, well, this is an outdated concept. This isn't true anymore. We know that that's something that doesn't change. And that's really wonderful because if we're trying to gauge what's right and wrong based on 
what our culture says, we're going to have a really mixed up idea. And if we're trying to determine what we should and shouldn't do based on the opinions of other people, we're going to get ourselves into a serious mess. And you know what's what's right and what's true and what's good I think one of the reasons why we can say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or respecting God is the mm-hmm. beginning of wisdom is that I don't have to try to be God and try to constantly be interpreting and reinterpreting everything around me. Ooh, I, right? yeah. I, can, I can have an understanding. I can have some solid things to build upon. I mean, imagine this. Two plus two is four. What if that went into flux? And that yeah. all of mathematics crumbles. If all of mathematics crumbles, all physics crumbles. If all physics crumbles, I mean, it, all of our ability to advance scientifically and to advance in knowledge as human beings crumbles. You have to have hard and true things that you can anchor yourself upon. Now, though, in the world of man, those things may actually change over time. We know we were fond of bringing the example that like man once thought that spiders came from dust. Right. Okay. Uh, We've we, now learned that is not true. That is not true. I just true. learned that last week. Spiders do not come from dust. Yes, but you should still clean the dust up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's. But but I mean, there were there were some very false understandings uh, of, of things that were the foundation upon which societies made decisions and um, uh, throughout throughout history. So we recognize that knowledge and science are. We're growing, they're, they're changing, they're evolving as we come to understand more. Um, and those things are a lot easier to process and deal with if in our moral world we have a rock that we can stand upon. That that's mm-hmm. not in flux too. Because it doesn't bother me so much when so- the scientific community comes and says, hey, you know what, we've thought this for 500 years and we've just realized that's not correct. It's actually that Okay, but if you were to say to me, you know, we've thought that murder was wrong for the last 2,000 years, but suddenly you've decided murder's fine. and Turns we should out all, it's great. It's, it's a really popular pastime. Let's all do it. That would be a real problem for some folks, right? Yeah, so hopefully I, most folks. Well, hopefully most folks. So when I have my beliefs and my values anchored in the Lord, I'm in a, on solid ground. So let's, let's transition again right now back to the fear of man. What does fear of man look like to you? A little more detail than you gave Yeah, than in the beginning. Well, it's interesting because the fear of man is quite insidious because oftentimes I feel that people don't even realize that they're succumbing to the fear of man because it looks like changing your actions, changing the way that you speak about your opinions, changing... Um, whether or not you're going to share particular truths or uh, live out certain truths because you're afraid of how people are going to react. So the fear of man really manifests itself as not living to your fullest potential in Christ, quenching that because you are looking to please man instead of please God. Right, because we want to be, the idea of the Christian life is that we are emulating and become, uh, Christ and becoming like Christ in our mm-hmm. lives. And Paul says in Galatians 1.10, for, for am I now seeking the approval of man 
or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, would I not be a servant? I would, I would not, not be. Dyslexia. I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, one or the other. Am I trying to please man or am I a servant of Christ? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly that we can't serve two masters. And there are many people out there today, many Christians out there today, who are trying to serve Christ and to serve the perceptions and opinions of mankind, of the people around them. So when it comes to this idea of being well-liked, we need to remember that being disliked, being viewed as foolish, being viewed as hateful, uh, really just negative opinions, those are some of the very first forms of persecution. Those are some of the lowest, lowest things on the persecution scale. And so if we can't handle that, if we can't handle being disliked, how will we ever handle anything higher up on that scale of persecution? Right. We're, we're not going we, to. We won't. Yeah. We're, and that's and that's really at the core of the message of this podcast is preparing for increase, uh, preparing to stand firm in our faith in an increasingly hostile culture. Mm -hmm. And our culture is becoming increasingly hostile. Attacks on churches were up by almost 100% year, year over year last year. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's the hostility towards Christianity, towards Christian beliefs, towards Christian values, and towards the things that God says are good and are evil. Hmm. It's increasing, and we have to we have to grab on to the truth of God and be more concerned about what He thinks of us than about what other people think of us. Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, I feel that I'm seeing so many Christians that are hesitant to even say that they're Christian because they're afraid of what other people are going to think because the perception of Christianity right now in most places in the West, is quite negative. And people are being afraid of being lumped into a particular category. You're this kind of person. You align with these kind of politics. You believe these kinds of things. Oh, yeah. And what a nightmare that we're now locked into a certain kind of politics mm. in the perception of people. Because yep. that means that anybody uh, who is... Um, having an opinion about Christians is going to look at Christians and say, well, they're all conservative or they're all Trump followers or they're all, you know, X, Y, or Z. And that is a problem. It is yeah. not, not that, not that we're attacking being conservative. And if you love Trump, love Trump. Or if you love, you know, whoever, love whoever, that's not the point. The point is that we want to be associated with one person and one person alone. And his name is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If if people are not saying of us, oh, those are those Jesus followers. Yes. Oh, those are those people who try to love people. Oh, those are those people that try to to try to make the world a better place. Those are those people who. Those are those people who don't steal, who don't cheat on their spouses. Those people who uh, who don't uh, don't lie. Don't lie. People who don't cheat on their taxes. All those things. Right. You know. If that's not what they're saying about us. But instead, they're associating us with politics and with people. That's a problem. But 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 staying focused on the pleasing of man, 
the things that we are associated with, I think, really are going to cause people to be angry at us. Yeah. But I think some people might hear this message and say, yeah. So when I go to Starbucks at Christmas time and they have their red and green weird looking 1960s throwback stars with a reindeer on my cup and there's no for unto us a child is bored or there's no crash or there's no oh. Christian references and no crosses, I'm going to go and throw my coffee at them or pitch a fit or make a YouTube video. And when people get mad at me, it's for the sake of the Lord. No, right. it's not. No, it's, it's because you are acting rude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, because it, it, what what is it? What you know? The Bible tells us what what good is it if you do good to those who do good to you, right? Exactly. Well, conversely, we could also say or extract a principle from that. You know, what what righteousness is there in being persecuted for your own sake or for your own rudeness or your own? Jesus says in Matthew uh, five, uh, what is it? Verse eleven. Uh, that when that you when you were persecuted for his, his name's, name's sake. sake for the sake of the Lord exactly that's where the blessing is so that actually brings us into this idea of dispelling some of the myths surrounding this idol of uh, being well liked because some people I think like you said are going to hear this and think okay I need to go out of my way to be disliked I need to be as prickly as I can I need to be as negative and brash about all the things going on in the world and then people are going to dislike me and that means that I'm really righteous. Right. And that's not what we're saying at all because uh, getting rid of this idol of being well-liked, getting rid of the fear of man is not about seeking out conflict or provoking other people. Mm -mm. Conflict's going to find you. Yeah, exactly. And when that conflict does find you, it will come for Jesus's namesake. It won't be people uh, getting into conflicts with you because you're just being a rude, negative person. Right. Because when we when we begin to follow Jesus and when we begin to transition our fear from being afraid of the group, being afraid of the culture, being afraid of our fellow man, you know, or, or, or a.k.a. respecting and we transition that to God, uh, and where it's supposed to be, then the world is going to treat us like a splinter. It's going yeah. to fester around us and try to push, push us, us out, out. Because we become a foreign object. Because we become kingdom people. Because people who live in God's kingdom are concerned with what the boss thinks. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it like this. If you worked at J.C. Penney, and, and I don't know if anybody ever remembers Weinstocks. They're out of business now. But Weinstocks was a big department store that competed with J.C. Penney for decades and decades. And uh, let's say I work at Weinstocks and you work at J.C. Penney. Do you care what the manager at Weinstocks thinks about you? Not at all. Why not? Because I don't work at Weinstocks. They're not your it's boss. Not, the, the manager of Weinstocks is not my boss. Right. So when we're, we're so but we have a fear of the boss, right? Because we're, yeah. we have a respect for what they think about us. For their authority, for their role, yeah. uh, their position in, in our life. They control whether we keep our job or not, typically. They, right? they control whether we get promoted. Do we get a raise? Do we get preferential mm-hmm. treatment and getting hours at work? You know, like those of you who can remember when it was really hard to get a job and it was really, you know, you, you really wanted to be in the boss's favor. And um, the, when we fear man, 
more than we fear God, or we respect man's opinion more than we respect God, or man's power more than God's power, we're just we're no different than the burger flipper at McDonald's being really upset because the burger flipper at, at Burger King's mad at him. Right. Who cares? Who cares? It's of it's of no consequence. Right. And one thing that I wanted to point out is I think that when we're talking about this, probably the majority of people are going to assume that we're only talking about the opinions, perceptions, ideals of non-Christians. But in actuality, getting rid of the fear of man, getting rid of this idol of being well-liked, it's not just about not being focused on what non-Christians think. It's also about not being focused on what other Christians or professing Christians think. Okay, now you're just causing trouble. Now, I I am causing trouble because I think this might ruffle some feathers, but this is something... Oh, I'm ruffled right now. That, this is something that I think is really important, and I think that it's primarily seen on both sides of uh, the, the, we'll say, the social spectrum. We see this very much in... Christians that identify as being very progressive and with Christians who identify as being very conservative, right? To where we see people who uh, don't want to act a certain way because they're scared that um, it's going to be viewed as being, oh, I'm, I'm not following these specific rules. They told me I'm not allowed to see this kind of movie or they told me I'm not allowed to wear this certain type of clothing so I can't do that or oh if I don't see this movie or if I don't wear this type of clothing these people on the other side are going to think that I'm a judgmental horrible person because the cool thing about Christianity is that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, uh, counseling us, convicting us, leading and guiding us, which means that uh, he illuminates the scriptures for us as we read and can clarify uh, our personal convictions. Because unlike under the Old Covenant, where there were specific rules laid out, you have to do this and you have to do it this exact way, and remember, rules like that are easy to get around. Right. Hard and fast easy. rules are easy to get around because you can just try to get around the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. But under the new covenant, covenant, it's about principles. It's about the spirit of the law, which is actually a much higher standard. Which means that if you are somebody who is truly seeking to follow God's word, truly seeking to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life, that there are going to be certain things that the hyper-conservative, hyper-fundamentalists will look at you doing and say, I can't believe they would do that. That's horrible. And there's also, at the exact same time, going to be things that you do that the people on the hyper-progressive, hyper-liberal side will say, I can't believe they're doing that. That's crazy. Because you don't care what either side thinks. You care about pleasing God. Right. Now, so let me let me flush out a few details here first of all in the persecuted church when persecution comes hardcore which we're not there yet in the u.s but we're already seeing one of the impacts of persecution or of of, of government or, or increasing restriction yeah or, a restriction yeah. on the church the church splits mm. and you have a church yeah. that is 
very much in line with what the government wants, and you have a church that's that's trying at least to follow what what the Bible says and what the Lord wants. We have that now, but it's more of a political split. And yeah. so you have a church that's very socially active, very involved in you know LGBTQ rights and in those kinds of things and injustice and, and trying to create justice for uh, wrongs of the past, things like that. Then you have a church that is, um, well, now it's emerging to be political as well. I, I would really throw all the political churches in the same category because they're off. Yeah. They're off base. They've moved away from the essential uh, gospeliness of what the Lord, you know, really wants us to be doing. Which He wants us to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. In other words, love our neighbors in a way that communicates love to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, the 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 church. Uh, uh, can, tends to kind of split this way, and so when we're looking for what is the, what are we what are our concerns about what Christians say to us, we need to identify those people in our lives who are living according to the Word of God, who are who are down the road from us, farther down the road from us, from learning to overcome their fear with faith, and who have switched by and large from the fear of man to the fear of God. And those should be the counselors from whom we get wisdom if we're listening to other Christians. That's true. That's an excellent point. We, sh- If we see people who are identifying more with their political parties mm-hmm. than with their Christian faith, people who have tried to mix their politics and their Christianity, mm-hmm. we should not be looking to them for guidance. We should not be looking to them for wisdom or advice on how we should be living we should be looking to them as uh, a a cautionary tale of what not to do right because when you mix something with christianity right think about it like this if you let's take gold for instance okay um, buy gold now. No. <laughs> this message this is, is sponsored by. No, um, if you if you uh, take take gold, okay. Now, if you add gold to anything, that increases the gold in that whatever that is. So, if you have a potato and you put gold in it, by the way, the miners used to use potatoes to put they put mercury in and they'd separate the impurities out of the gold in potatoes, put huh. it in a fire. And, yeah, I learned about that at Sutter's Mill. Um, anyway. If you if you put gold in something, it now increases the amount of gold in that thing, whatever it is. Okay. If you if you remove gold from something, it removes the gold. Okay. So the same thing is true with God. If you add Christianity, if you add you know God, if you add Jesus into a into a something or into a, a someone, you make them better. So Jesus in politics makes politics better. But Jesus is the pure. He's the 24 carat, right? Right. So when you mix that polluted thing into Jesus, you make Jesus worse. So you put Jesus in politics, politics are better. You put politics in Jesus, Jesus is worse. And Jesus meaning, I mean the church, the body of Christ and all that. Does that right. make sense? That does make sense. I and think, so yeah. when we're afraid of man, that causes us to consistently compromise and to consistently mix man's polluted preferences into the perfection of Jesus Christ. 
And so the man becomes greater and Christ becomes less, exactly the opposite of what John the Baptist said. Mm. He must become greater, we must become less. That's an excellent point. And I think that it's important that we realize that we're going to continue to get pressure from all sides. We're getting pressure from people who have mixed politics into their Christianity and who are saying you have to stand up for XYZ issue, campaign for this particular person, post on social media your support for this or your uh, disagreement with that. Otherwise, you're not a good Christian. Right. Otherwise, you're not loving your neighbor. Otherwise, and it's all just their political opinions because here's here's the thing. We talk about the Bible. We talk about the fact that the Bible does not change, that the Bible is the fullness of truth. It's God's word. Right. If that's the case, then why is it that you have people on two completely opposite sides of every single social and political issue? And both of them are able to try to squeeze some Bible verses into their social media posts or into their little campaigns and say, see, if you don't agree with me, you're not a good Christian. Mm. Because what they're describing isn't the gospel. It isn't Christianity. It's their political ideology with a little bit of Bible Sprinkled, sprinkled in. in. A little bit of gold leaf on the outside. Yep. Looks like it might be good, but then you scrape at it a little bit and you find out, nope, there's just a rock under there. There's well, no- that's, the, that's the thing. Do we want gold-plated rocks or do we want solid gold? I want solid gold, please. I, I, want, I want solid gold, too. Yeah. So we can't, we can't look to what other people think whether those are people that are christians who claim to be christians people who you know claim to hate christians uh we cannot be concerned with their opinions their perceptions their ideals we have to be looking to the bible first foremost and solely as as our measuring rod for what is right and wrong for what we need to be doing right wrong good bad Positive, negative, all exactly, that, exactly. Right? And I think um, that the Bible gives us the guiding principles we need in order to live a life that is that is wise because this life, our life, fears God. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should take a moment now as we're coming towards the end, just to point out that not everybody has a Bible, mm-hmm. and that this is a big reason why we are involved in this outreach ministry of of taking Bibles to the persecuted church. This is why we believe in Bible courier ministry, mm-hmm. because we understand that people have to get the Bible. If we get them the Word of God, and they are believers, they will have the Holy Spirit. And if they have those two things, and I'm speaking as a Bible college professor, I'm telling you, you can learn everything that you need to know with just your Bible and the Holy Spirit. And you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, it's important work. And we're going to share some ways uh, coming up in some future podcasts, and we're trying to figure out how to do this without without just putting all of our information out there for everybody to see. But um, for you to be able to get involved if you're interested, to be able to uh, at least know how to pray for these kinds of ministries uh, so that you can uh, you know feel a sense of participation in this and contribute to something that's really, really important, getting the Bible to people. Mm.
Yes, absolutely. So I think that we've we, we've gone around and around and we've really kind of tried to hit this topic from several different angles. And I think that we can really best sum it up and close uh, on an ideal, an idea that comes from a, a book called The Seventh Key by Dr. Scott Rodin. Uh, and in this book, he says that uh, as Christians, we should be working only for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Yeah, that statement of his drives me. Mm-hmm. It really does, because when I think about what am I worried about? What what does mankind say about me? Uh, you know, how do I look in the professional, in the academic world? How do I look to others? Um, and then I think about Dr. Rodin's words of simply just work to earn the applause of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, right? I mean, mm-hmm. That's what kingdom people do. And that is the very definition of a life that fears God. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, a life that fears, uh, a life that is lived by someone that fears God is a life that is uh, one that is walking along the harder way. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.